1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. We're still in this series on faith and prayer. Let's pick up in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. The last couple of Wednesdays we've been talking about how that not that many Christians have a renewed mind, not that many Christians have renewed their mind to the Word of God. They don't know who they are, and it shows up in how they live in their lifestyle. Hebrews 5.11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, some of you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over Again, you need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Now, this is fascinating. So, uh, we don't know who the author is, probably Paul. He's the only one that would have had the understanding, the revelation, and the IQ to write the book of Hebrews. So, I assume it's Paul. But he says, if you're not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, well, then you're an infant. And uh, the way Kenneth Hagin used to describe it is either a blind man or somebody walking down a hall and the light's not on and you're feeling your way because you're not walking by revelation. You're walking by sight. You're walking by the way things look. You're walking by the report of man. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. I think one of the things, when, uh, when we were at the married couples retreat, my son-in-law, uh, Derek Hill, said that um, this that's come along the last 18 months is the first thing to come along in his lifetime that he could not mark or delineate based on political persuasion. I thought that was interesting. In other words, you know, all the liberals are zero COVID cultists, and then some of the conservatives are zero COVID cultists. And so, but he said it's the first thing in his lifetime, you just couldn't put your hand on it by political persuasion. And uh, so we had a conversation about this. And I said, well, I think uh, uh, if, if you were to ask my mother-in-law, she would say, well, it's common sense. Because that's... It's nearly universally absent in one political persuasion, but it's not universally manifest in the other. Because you got people, and they're conservative, but they just don't have any common sense. Walking by sight. You know, I've been in a couple of different cars today because I had a car in service and then I was swapping out. And uh, so I've heard pieces of different sermons, but I heard Kenneth Hagin say that when you walk by the word, you're walking by faith. When you walk by man's theories, ideas, and opinions, you're walking by sight. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm just shocked at how gullible people are. But it is from not being rooted in the Word of God. And also, I think uh, we had a conversation at the house the other day. Where does common sense come from? You know, because sometimes you wish it was like a app you know, you could give somebody an up, upgrade. You know what I'm saying? In other words, they, they just need a download. But where we had this conversation, because 
I don't know that I could really put my hand on it. I don't think we ever finished the conversation. Does it come from upbringing? Is it, is it fathers? Where does common sense come from? But I tell you where I think part of where common sense comes from, I think that part of where common sense comes from is not being disassociated from the land. Because when, you're, when, you, when you have lived your life, at least in a cursory way, connected to the land, well, you just have common sense about stuff. You know that food doesn't come from grocery stores. Amen. Uh, you know, there's just a lot lacking in today's society, I think, because people lack common sense. Where does common sense come from? You know, Sue put me onto a video this afternoon. Michelle Bachman, a former member of Congress, former member of Congress, did a talk for James Dobson in Colorado Springs, and she had just been to Italy. Well, they've they've got they've I don't know if they voted on it or they passed a law that if you preach from the Book of Genesis or you even refer to the Book of Genesis, it's six years in prison because of this gender ideology. See, in other words, they, they don't want anybody talking about Adam and Eve. See, in other words, it's by being uprooted from certain things, whether it's a home with a father in it, or whether it's the land, or whether it's the Bible, where people just become gullible, and you can sell them on anything. You can sell them on anything. So do you see how our job, you know, I've been doing this 48 years. I got a little snow on the roof, but, uh, you know, that's, that's from time. But you see how our job just gets harder and harder because when we started out, all we had to do is preach the Bible. But now... We, because so many people have grown up in homes where they didn't have a good, a, set, a good set of parents, we're having to teach a lot of stuff that mom and dad should have taught people but never did teach people. Do you understand? Like self-reliance and, you know, initiative and determination and all of that stuff. I mean, people ought to walk in the door knowing all of that stuff, but they don't. Nobody taught them. So... Our job, actually, our, our job description has grown over the years because we've got to teach all of that stuff. People just don't know. Okay, so I use that as an illustration in the natural. Now let's pull that illustration over into the spiritual because the less you know, the more gullible you are, the less revelation you have, the more easy it is for Satan to push you around. You see the illustration now? You know, we have an MD friend that is a friend of the ministry, and she's been a blessing to us, and she told us something that we just didn't know, but she, she said that years ago, many years ago, they changed the curriculum in medical school. They changed the whole program on training doctors. And so the younger generation, they have been taught to just go by what the government says. They, they don't even, in other words, critical thinking is gone. To read the data, to, to read the study, they don't do that. They just go by what the government says, whereas the older MDs, they were taught different. And, and they want to know, well, how do I know this is true? Where's the study? So it's, it's not just common sense, it's a critical thinking issue. My point is, I don't mean to get off on rabbit chases, but my point is this, that, and, and I'm, I'm not saying this judgmentally, I'm just saying this through the powers of observation, that Faith Christian Center is so, such an exception because we, we teach the Bible. You have to understand that 
that when you, you know, people leave here thinking, well, there's 15 of these closer to my house and I'll just go down the road and pick one. We actually had a guy tell us it doesn't matter which church you go to as long as it's an evangelical church. Well, most churches just don't teach the Bible. And so these skills that we are learning, well, they're just not being learned. For example, the authority of the believer or what we've been talking about the last couple of Wednesdays, righteousness. See, and, and what the author of Hebrews is saying is anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. And what I don't understand about God's people is, is their lack of curiosity. You know, I've watched seven grandchildren come along now, and I'll tell you, it's always fascinating to me when their moms start giving them, you know, some, well, first it's the nasty baby food, but then later, you know, then later it's, it's stuff off the plates. And, you know, I, I, I still am mesmerized watching this, how that they want what's on mom's plate and, 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 and how they're willing to try stuff. And, you know, they might grimace and make the cutest faces, but they want to try stuff. They want to try the, uh, that tastes different and this tastes different and that has a different texture to it. They're curious. Why are God's people not curious? In other words, they just go to, you know, the first church of Pablum and they're just perfectly happy. I don't understand why people are not curious. I want to know everything the Lord has done for me. I want to know every right that I, Jesus paid for me to have. I want to know about every tool in the arsenal of the believer. I want to know how I go about running the devil out of my body and out of my home and out of my money. I want to know all of it. See, there's a natural curiosity I'm talking about. But people, people are just, it's amazing to me. They, they just don't seem curious. Verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for the mature. And you have to understand, I mean, tonight's Wednesday night. It's a little different than Sunday morning and, you know, but I stand up here and I minister the word of God. And, and it's not that people are gagging physically, but I can watch them gag spiritually. But you have to understand, because I love the congregation here, I feed them, but also I, I actually have read the Bible, and, and Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I do. And Jesus said, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And so that's my job. That's my job description. So my job is not to hand out Captain Crunch every time we gather together. Do you understand? And, and, you know, it's so funny now, the, the, the latest one, Emily, I don't know who taught her to love ice cream. You know, I'm pointing at Austin. And, uh, you know, just, of course she loves, every child loves ice cream. You know, if a child doesn't love ice cream, they're a communist. <laughs> and uh, it's so hilarious now. It's just so hilarious, you know, to, to watch her uh, being fed ice cream but how many of you understand she can't live her life on ice cream Amen. you can't live your life on milk at some point some you know in other words to grow right there has to be more than that but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him, that is Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And so by this new creation in Christ, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Now, if you have not gotten a copy of Kenneth Hagin's book, The Believer's Authority or The Authority of the Believer, they changed the title a few years ago, whichever it is, I'd get it and, uh, you know, I'd read it. And I'd read it again, and I'd read it again, and I'd get to where I understood it and I mastered it because this is fundamental and basic because a lot of God's people don't understand that they have authority over Satan. Amen. So, and, and why do I bring up the authority of the believer? Because that's tied in my thinking to understanding that I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Christ. 
I'm just not something that the devil can walk over and come into my home and into my body and do whatever he wants. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. I've been given authority by the Lord Jesus Christ. I can rebuke Satan. Now, he's not afraid of me, but he is afraid of the name of Jesus. He won't obey me, but he will obey the name of Jesus. We don't even understand who we are. That's the whole point. Last evening, I, I get to the battle where Joshua caused, and what I'm about to say is not the way you would think of it from your reading or understanding of the Bible. I get to the passage where Joshua caused the sun to stand still. But that's not our understanding of it. Our understanding of it is God did that. Go back and read it. And so I get to that passage, and I, I, I read it to Sue, and I said, he never prayed a prayer. He never went to God about it. He never asked God about it. He never, he never pled his case to God about it. He just needed more time to put a whipping on the enemies of God. And he spoke to the sun, and it hung in the sky and gave him time. Amazing. Now, of course, we know God did it. But see, this is what we fail to understand. God is not here in, in the flesh, so to speak. Now, he was 2,000 years ago, but that was only for three and a half years. So if something's going to be done, God has to have a body to help. I mean, like tonight, <laughs> we know the Spirit of God is there in the nursery. But somebody ought to be there in a body. <laughs> Do you understand? We know the angels of God and the Spirit of God is in children's church and in uh, warriors of living faith and daughters of faith. But that's not enough. Somebody needs to be there in a body. Amen. And so nothing's getting done without the body of Christ. That's us. But see, if people think that they're worms, if people think that they're unworthy, if people think that they're unrighteous, well, how can God use them? So Satan has, in the same way Satan has blinded the minds of the lost to where they can't see the revelation of the Word of God and come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has blinded the minds of God's people. And they don't know who they are. I could give you illustrations, but you would think I was crazy. That's in the Old Testament. That story of Joshua, that's it. Now, now don't go out tomorrow and command the sun to stand still. You need to practice on other stuff. <laughs> you understand? And you don't need the sun to stand still. Amen. But you need, to, you need to take what your issue is and go to work on it. Amen. 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 Thus the new creation is to be free from sin consciousness so that the believer is no longer held in bondage to Satan's condemnation. Listen, this is why we don't venture out. It's why we don't venture out. It's why we don't pray for people. It's why we don't rebuke Satan. It's why we don't take authority. Because we don't think we're worthy. We don't, we don't have confidence that he'll hear us. It's a huge deal. See, knowing who you are in Christ, it's a big deal. And you notice we don't sing a lot of songs here that may be sung in other places because any song that, I mean, it doesn't matter how catchy the tune, it doesn't matter how uh, marvelous the hymn could be as far as the majesty of the music. If it's got doubt and unbelief in it, we don't sing it here. Amen. People are baptized in unbelief and they don't even know it. You know, you could ask a lot of believers, brother, have you been baptized? Yeah, in unbelief. So Romans 8 one and two becomes a reality. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus 
because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set us free from the law of sin and death. So it is God who justifies us through the blood of the Lord Jesus. Romans 8.33, who can bring any charge against God's chosen ones? God makes us right with himself. See, we can't do it ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we don't need to take action and live right. But we can't make ourselves righteous. Even in the Old Testament, you know, repeatedly, even in the Pentateuch, the law of God, repeatedly God says that he makes them righteous. We can't make ourselves righteous. That's another lie. Satan will strap on you if you don't know the word of God, that you have to earn it, you have to deserve it, you have to work at it. I've been down. You have to understand, that's the, that's the advantage of somebody who is a competent minister of the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to you who's got a few years on him because I've been down all of these roads and I've proven what doesn't work. You can't fast to earn it or deserve it. Actually, that's how the Reformation began. Martin Luther, you know, was uh, whipping himself. Flagellation, they call it, you know, trying to make himself righteous, trying to make himself worthy. And uh, apparently... He read the Bible a little bit too much, but he found out where, you know, Paul wrote, the just shall live by faith. And that's what began the whole Reformation. That's where the Anabaptists came from. That's where evangelicals came from. That's our roots. But it all came from one man having a revelation that he couldn't earn it and he couldn't deserve it. It was by faith. It's all by faith. Everything we receive from the Lord is by faith including our righteousness. So in Romans, pardon me, Romans 8.33, Paul writes, so who can bring any charge against God's chosen one? God makes us right with himself. Who can sentence us to death? Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also praying for us. He died. More than that, he was raised to life. We have authority we don't even know about. I'm convinced of it. We have authority we don't even know about. And we let things go on. Now, now, the very fact that some of those justices are still alive and that, you know, Dr. Dr. Frankenstein is still alive, there's plenty of evidence that our authority has limits. Because a lot of us, not just me, a lot of us have prayed about some of these things. I mean, it'd be great, right? If we could just rebuke Satan in Washington, we'd get cleaned up overnight. I mean, that'd be great. So there are limits to... Our authority, but not in your life, right. not in your home, not in your, you're in charge there. Yeah. Can you see that? Yeah. So we have authority. But see, if, if, if you, can be a, a, you can be a new creation in Christ, but if you don't know your rights, you, well, then you can be pushed around, bullied. 2 Corinthians 5.21 in the New International Reader's Version says, Christ didn't have any sin, but God made him become sin for us so we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. He did it for us. You know, there's a guy that's uh, not here tonight, but... uh, he rose to very high ranks in the military. And in a conversation we had years ago, he told me, he said, he said, I, I never had any problem with you, Pastor, because he said, he said, I can hear rank in a man's voice. And he said, it's amazing. He said, even when guys are retired, he said, you can peg them. That was a sergeant. That was a captain. That was a major. That was a colonel. He said, the, just the way they talk. And he said, you have authority. And you know it. But he said, you go and you hear other people, and they don't have any authority. And then they, they not only do they not have any authority, they don't know what authority they might have. 
See, the more you study the Word of God, the more you take action on the Word of God, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, but we build up the measure of faith that God gave us. We build up the spirit man inside of us, which is the new creation in Christ. By taking action on the Word of God, we gain authority. It's not, it's not that we gain authority. We have the authority as believers, but we come into greater revelation on the authority that we have. And we, we take dominion. We take dominion. While I'm speaking, he keeps bringing examples to my mind, but, you know, I'm reluctant to bring them up. I'm, I'm reluctant to talk about them because, you know, people just think, you know, you're crazy. But I remember after that horrible freeze in February, man, I was out there talking to stuff. I was out there talking to stuff because it costs money to replace it. It's mine. I can talk to it. We can talk to our bodies. You don't have to put up with whatever symptoms are going on, whatever pain, you know, you wake up and, you know, you, don't, you just don't have to tolerate it. You can speak to it. You have authority. Tell your neighbor, you have authority. I mean, how many times in four Gospels did Jesus say to Peter, uh, I need for you to make me an appointment with the doctor? <laughs> we have the story of Peter's mother-in-law, which, you know, everybody acts like these were all homeless bums, you know, hanging out with Jesus. Look, nobody, nobody would have a mother-in-law without having a wife. Amen. So it's not like you go out here and adopt, you know, mothers-in-law. <laughs> So, uh, but she's sick. She's in bed. She has a fever. Jesus didn't say, well, why haven't you called a doctor? I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I am not saying that. But Christians are in the habit of going to one doctor, a second doctor, a third doctor. And then when, when, when every possible human recourse has come to an end, then they pray about it. Get in the habit of going to God first. Get in the habit of going to God first. That yes. he healed her. Now, if my words sound strange to you tonight, it's because you have not ventured out in taking action on the word of God. I have limits. I know that. I do. There are things I would do, but... It's either the limit of what I have as a believer or that I haven't taken action sufficiently at a certain level to go beyond the level I'm at. I understand that. And I try and operate inside the confines of where I'm at as a believer. But I'm constantly pushing the envelope. Because if you don't push the envelope, you'll never make progress. Amen. And we don't understand how things work in the kingdom of God. You've heard me tell the story back at the hotel. I think it was 1985. You know, man, I mean, I was just sick. And we, it wasn't like that. We didn't have any employees. Forget about a bunch of employees. We didn't have any employees. And I mean, I was so, I was so sick. It was the flu, 1985. And I mean, I, I used to hate the flu. You know, it was like a super duper cold, but then every joint hurt. Your knees hurt. How in the world do your knees hurt? I mean, every joint hurt. And, and they're, they're doing the praise and worship. And I, I just had a little conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I said, I, I am just as sick as a dog. I said, you got to help me. And he said, dance before me and I'll heal you. So I, that's not my thing. But I started dancing before the Lord. And, and I thought he meant I'm going to heal you on this occasion. What he meant was, I'm going to heal you of the flu because I have not had the flu since the winter of 1985. Okay, but then there was a different occasion back at the hotel. And it wasn't the flu, it was something else. But I just, I just, I, I didn't go to the Lord on that occasion. I thought to myself, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. I have got to get healed. And so, but I know how things work in the kingdom of God. So I called for the sick. And I hadn't done it in a long time. And I mean, from wall to wall in that ballroom, they lined up. 
and I, because I understand, I know how things work in the kingdom of God. See, pray one for another that ye may be healed. And when I got done praying for that big line, because I hadn't done it in a long time, I was healed. Amen. Then I was ready to go. Amen. See, how much are we leaving behind because we're not taking action on the word of God? Amen. It just stands to reason, doesn't it? If you lay hands on 50 people, there's got to be some power of God in there somewhere, and it just stands to reason, right? Some of it is going to have a residual effect on you Amen. if you're being the vessel, Amen. right? right. So we leave, we, leave, we leave countless blessings behind because we don't take action. And oh my gosh, don't get me on money. Tell your neighbor, don't get him off on money, off on money. because see... You know, I'm getting dressed this evening, and, and uh, I felt like the Lord impressed something upon me on money, and so we'll see. I'm going to let him bring it back to me. If he brings it back to me Sunday, we'll take action on it. But, but to be a blessing, see, and a lot of people, all they know is no. They're like a, you know what, you know what that is? That's a toddler-level Christianity. It is so cute. And, you know, when I was the parent, I was better at forcing myself not to laugh. Now I'm the grandparent, and sometimes I can't help it. I laugh. They're just so cute. And the way Riley does it, no, 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 no. In other words, one no's not good enough. They gotta be, there's got to be five, six, or seven no's. But a lot of Christians are like that, which tells you they're in the toddler stage because the Lord's trying to get money to you. Do you understand? The Lord's not ever trying to take money, something from you. Amen. If the Lord speaks to you about something, he's trying to get something to you. Amen. But he might want to use you to be a blessing to somebody else. And if we'll take action on that, there's no telling what the Lord would do. All of this came by taking action on the word of God. Not only have, we not only have righteousness reckoned to us and righteousness imputed to us, but we have had righteousness imparted to us in the new creation. And I use three different words. Reckoned means to think of someone or something as being something specified. In other words, we were, righteousness was reckoned unto us. In other words, he specified us. When he died on that cross, he died for all of us. Righteousness has been reckoned unto us. It has been imputed to us. Impute means to credit or ascribe something to a person or a cause. A few years ago, I, I think it was a $3,200. It was a weird number showed up in my bank account. And I thought, I, I don't know where that came from. And I checked with the office. I thought, well, is it something that I've forgotten about? No. And we called the bank. I don't think that's ours. I think that belongs somewhere else. No, it's yours. Okay, big boy rules. You know, we, we talked to you about it, but you know what I'm saying? In other words, it was, well, that would be to impart, the third word, impart, to, to give, to convey, or to grant. We, in other words, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't even know about it. Well, I find out it's mine. Well, it, Big boy rules, you know, it's mine. I, I told you about it if you want it back, but oh, you don't want it back? Well, then it's mine. And people, people get upset. They get upset when you get blessed. I don't understand that. Why do people get, up, get upset when you get blessed? See, we ought to rejoice when our brothers and sisters in the Lord get blessed with a new job or they find a great husband or a great wife or... You know, some, some married couple gets pregnant with child. We ought to rejoice for people. Amen. But people are like that with the blessings of God. That minister that I had lunch with and this was way back. There used to be a steak and ale across from Six Flags on Road to Six Flags, I think it was called. And uh, 
you know, he said, he said, look, the pie is only so big because, you know, our church was growing up there on I-30. He said, he said first he commended, commended me. He said, man, you slugged it out in that hotel. He said, you know, I was proud of you. But then he, then he got on to, you know, how God was blessing us up there at I-30. And he said, you know, the pie is only so big. And he said, the, the bigger the piece of pie you get, well, the less is left of the pie for the rest of us. And I, I, I was polite. He was an older man. I didn't say anything, but I thought, you know, I don't know why you're talking about pies. The word pie is not even in the Bible. <laughs> And then, now get this, and then he, he was telling me about the last multi-level he was in, and he said, man, you ought to do this. He said, as big as that church is, he said, you ought to do this. You sign all those people up. He said, you can get rich. And I had a revelation that day that a lot of what's going on is not the Word of God. And a lot of times people are holding church and their agenda is not even the Word of God. They got some other agenda going. I got a revelation. And the whole idea of using God's people is anathema to me. That I would use you. You want to give something? Give it but I'm not going to use anybody. Do you understand? We're here teaching the Word of God, preaching the Word of God, sowing the Word of God, laying hands on the sick, casting out devils, but use a human being? No, we don't do that. Amen. Do you understand? Amen. We don't do that. You want that? You got to see the Democrats or the Republicans. No, we don't do that. <laughs> we read that just this week, that one lady, that lawyer, what did she raise? $14 million on the stop the steal. They're just grifters. A lot of these people, and not just on the left, on the right. They're just grifters. They're not, they're not going to change anything. They're going to make money on it. It's all about making money. I read an article about the Tea Party. This was a, a, about 10, 12 years back. You know, that was a great movement, but how it got derailed by all these grifting packs, political action committees, and they're all raising money, you know, on this Tea Party stuff, but it was just fundraising. The church of the living God is not that. Amen. Amen. If, you know, if you're here tonight... When the offering happens, you want to give something, give. If you don't, don't. You know, nobody's going to ask you about it. You've heard me say repeatedly to the folks watching us now, we, we've even got folks watching us in Dubai. You know, we've, you've heard me say repeatedly, you want to send something? Great. You know, God bless you. We'll pray for, that God will multiply it back to you 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But the good people of Faith Christian Center have paid for everything. So we owe no man anything but the debt of love. And so we're just going to keep trucking. Amen. Whether you send something or not. Yes. Do you understand? Amen. But we're not using people. Amen. Frankly, that's despicable. Amen. To use people. No, we want to be a blessing. Yes. Want to be a blessing. And on this thing of uh, hearing the voice of God and, and obeying the voice of God, I told the usher that was here Saturday morning, I said, that's the key to everything. But I said, people don't want to hear it. The key to everything. I heard David Yonggi Cho. When I knew him, he was Paul Yonggi Choi. Paul Yonggi Cho. Then he changed his name to David. But I heard him say... 30, 35, well, this must have been 35 years ago. He said, I pray and I obey. And I thought, well, man, this guy pioneered and pastors the biggest church in the world, so I think that's something to do. I pray and I obey. Amen. Now, sometimes I want to make sure it's God. Amen. And he's gracious and he's kind, and if you're not sure, he'll come back. He'll bring it back to you. Amen. But to be a blessing. But on the other hand, how many of you have ever, ever done this how many of you have ever sought to be a blessing with your own mind and your own thinking and it blew up like one of those trick cigars? I mean, it just turned into a disaster. I got, I got both of my hands up. So, you know, I want to be led by the Lord. I don't, want, I don't want my bright idea on being a blessing to somebody financially. 
Ephesians 4.20, but you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him. This is the New King James Version. But you have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So progress in the things of God, growing and maturing, progress in the things of God requires <coughs> your cooperation, requires your corresponding action. Put off the old man. King James is actually, I should have just brought the King James on that. You know, a lot of times the King James seems so old, but that was very stilted. But you put off the old man. So you just can't act like you used to act. You can't talk like you used to talk. You can't just do what you used to do. You got to put off the old man. He's not talking about your husband. He's talking about the old you, the the pre-Jesus you. And you got to put on the new man. And this is all generic. You know, don't, don't get all liberal, weirdo, wacko, commie on me. Uh, when, it, when the Bible says man, that's generic. It means men and women. We don't have to say humankind, you know, to, to be acceptable in 2021 because we're all intelligent. We understand that the Bible was written 2,000 years ago or further back. None of the authors were politically correct because they were all holy men of old inspired by the Spirit of God. They weren't thinking that way. So you put off the old you and you have to put on the new you. Let me tell you how simple it is. T.L. Osborne told me one day in his living room, he he said, Oral Roberts and I, he said, we knew each other. He said, we, we were just, you know, Oklahoma boys. And, and he said, you know, I go out in the mission field. And he said, I failed. He said, Daisy said, uh, he said, I used to say we failed. But Daisy said, don't say we failed. She said, you failed. Because she said, I was a wife. I was a mother. Uh, I did my part. So we didn't fail. You failed. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, he comes back to the United States and he, he pastored a church up in the Northwest for a while and apparently that didn't do well. And uh, Daisy drug him to a Billy Branham meeting. F.F. Bosworth was the daytime teacher. All that was going on. And in the midst of that time frame, he reads, uh, I think it was a newspaper article about Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, you know, Oral Roberts had a tent. And Oral Roberts was you know, laying hands on the sick and Oral Roberts was packing this tent out. And uh, there was some competition going on. Actually, the biggest, the biggest tent preacher was not Oral Roberts. It was Jack Coe in Dallas, Texas. But he, he passed early in his life. And, uh, but anyway, so T.L. told me, sitting in his living room one day, he said, he said, I just thought to myself. See, that's where, that's where people miss it. They're going by what people are telling them and they're not thinking. He said, I thought to myself, I'm an Okie, Oral's an Okie. I know Jesus, Oral knows Jesus. There's nothing Oral can do, I can't do. Amen. And so he bought a tent, he started preaching. And what made T.L. famous actually was the open air meetings. He was the inventor of the open air meeting. I asked him how that happened. He said, well, he was preaching in San Antonio and the Roman Catholics burnt the tent down and he didn't have enough money to buy a new tent. So he said, we're going to do open air. And then he said it became a thing. But that's how he went down the open air road. But the thing that he was known for was mass miracles. I asked him how that got going. He said, well, there's just too many people to pray for. We'll lay hands on He said, I don't know how many ministers I saw that wore themselves out and died young because he said, you know, this treasure, I mentioned Sunday, this treasure is in earthen vessels. He said, you just can't do it all. I remember Shambach told me on two occasions, he said, look, preacher, he said, when you get to that new building, he said, don't you ever do three services again. He said, it's too much. It's too much for a human being. So 
he went to the Lord about it. And the Lord showed him how to do a mass miracle. Just, just preach the word out there. He used to have this saying, this mantra. He said, he would say, we don't pray the power down. We preach the power out. The word is the power. And when Satan talked these preachers into having cool churches without the Bible, Satan demasculinized the church of the Lord Jesus Christ across the land. They got no power. Because if you have no word, you got no power. You have no word, you have no faith. You have no word, you have no authority. You have no word, you have no healings. You have no word, you have no miracles. It all goes hand in hand. It's all about the Bible. But you go to your average evangelical church now and you're going to hear a verse or two in a, on a Sunday message and then because they want to be cool, they don't even tell you where it's at. And I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a curious guy. So I listen to some of these famous people sometimes. You know, Austin or Jessica will send a, a, a link and so I'll get online and I'll look at some, you know, famous minister in this message and you know the bible says and so you know i i have my phone there and i'll type out what the bible says well it's not in the bible it's like you got it from nancy pelosi or barack obama i mean where are these people getting this stuff because you can type in any of the words from any translation and it's on the internet somewhere amen so even when they say the bible says a lot of times no, it didn't. Amen. Yeah, but Pastor, you know, you're just old, man. You know, you got to, you not only have a Bible, you got a big one. And, uh, <laughs> you know, listen, we intend to be accurate. Amen. Because the power is not in my theories, ideas, and opinions. And the reason I use this size now is so that at the age of 65, I can read it without glasses. Well, you're cheating. I'm a smart guy. You know, these youngsters have these itty-bitty little Bibles, and uh, forget about reading glasses, I'd need a microscope. No, we intend to be accurate. Why is that offensive? We got a guy running the, forget about running, forget about running this presidency. He ran the last one. And he's got some kind of big uh, roulette wheel, like from Las Vegas or something. And, and he spins it every day. And then based on where it lands, that's what he says. One shot, two shot, three shots, four, four foot, six foot. You know, in other words, uh, one mask, two mask. Literally. It's like one of those things at a carnival where they, they glue uh, playing cards on there. Flap, 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 flap. Where's it going to stop? And then we're going to know what the science is today. And people just fall for it, but... When a preacher stands up and says, let's turn to such and such book in the Bible, chapter and verse, the people have a problem with it. Well, I don't know about you, but I, I think I'd rather have a, a little bit of accuracy on medicine. You know, my son-in-law was a drug interdiction officer. He started his career with a, with a dog. He was a drug interdiction officer. And so we were watching some movie when he was visiting. And, you know, in the plot of the movie, the guy, you know, dips his finger in the drug and tastes it. And, and Derek just, you know, burst out laughing. He said, nobody would ever do that because he said, you don't know what that is. And then we got into a discussion about drugs in general. And he said, he said, think about it. He said, you go to a drug dealer and you, you, you know, you buy meth, you buy crystal, you buy cocaine. You, he said, you don't know what they're selling you. That's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> but you don't know what's in what they're giving you now. 
I like to know. I like to be accurate. I want to find out what belongs to me. I'm using examples in the natural to illustrate the spiritual. I'm convinced that a lot of what's going on, whether it's sickness and disease or children not doing right or just in one of the cars today, I heard Kenneth Hagin give an, give an illustration about uh, a woman he came across. It was in Texas. And this child had epilepsy and had been to this famous, famous, famous doctor. And the doctor said it was the worst case case of epilepsy that he had ever come across and he, he ministered to this woman in the midst of the series that he was doing in the local church he got to talking about how that the only hindrance to faith that Jesus ever talked about is not walking in love and not walking in forgiveness and then this discussion comes up with her and her mother-in-law and her husband's family and he taught her to forgive the mother-in-law forgive the the husband's family and that whenever an attack started coming on that girl to say satan i'm walking in love now you take your hands off my child and then 10, 12 years later, he was back in that same town, that same church, and that, that family was there, and he questioned them about that girl. And one time, one time, one time, an episode started coming, and they spoke to it, and they said, Satan, I'm walking in love now. You have no right to touch my child. Take your hands off my child. And that was the only thing that had ever happened in all of those years. And that girl went on to get straight A's, honor students, you know, uh, went on to get a scholarship in college and the whole, the whole shebang. How much is spiritual and we assume it's natural? How much is natural but it's got a spiritual cause? Because God's people haven't been taught. But you stand up in churches and talk about how you must forgive your mother-in-law. You could empty churches. <laughs> I'm not saying everything has a spiritual cause. You know, it's like the joke Glenn Mink tells, you know, he said, I told those calories to get behind me, and I think they did. No, <laughs> everything is not spiritual. Some things are natural, but there are things that we have allowed, that we have permitted, that we put up with, and they have a spiritual cause. Yes. And Satan's holding high carnival in the lives of a lot of God's people, and it's unnecessary because if we knew what the word says, if we knew who we are, we're not soccer balls for Satan to kick around. Amen. We are children of God. Amen. 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 So you have to put off that old man. You got to put on the new man. You have to do that. I said you have to do that. We've been recreated out of righteousness and holiness and truth. That, that's who we are now. You know, I'm the least likely candidate to succeed. I was raised by two narcissists. Home was hell. You know, I used to run away every day in the summertime. You know, I'd pack me a little lunch, which was crackers and peanut butter, and I'd head out to the woods. And whether any of my buddies were there or not didn't matter to me. I just wanted out of that house. I only remember one birthday party. It was completely ruined by my dad mocking me and making fun of me in front of my little friends. I remember sitting at the kitchen table and them discussing, sending, you know, with brochures to sending me to military academy because I was a problem child. I put it all behind me, friends. Amen. 
I put it all behind me. I put off the old man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I'm not not what somebody says I am. I am am what God says I am. And everything they're using in this country to divide us is exactly what doesn't matter. What country you were born in, what your native language was, uh, what, what color you happened to sport, uh, all of it, all of it. Everything they make an issue is not the issue at all. The only thing that matters is who are we in Christ? And are we walking in who we are in Christ? Amen. That's all that matters. Amen. And you can overcome anything. We've been recreated. The very fact of a new creation and sonship demands a perfect righteousness. I'm going to say this, we'll quit. Could you think of a son who could not stand in his father's presence? Sonship would have no meaning, no significance, whatever, and yet that is exactly where most Christians live their entire lives. They don't feel worthy. They don't feel like they can. They, don't, they feel like if, if they're going to ask God for something, they got to work up to it by works. And we dealt with that on a Sunday morning about a month back. That's why a lot of people have trouble with James chapter 2 and because of the King James Bible. It uses the word works. But we know from the first few verses of the book of James that the book of James was not written to unbelievers. The book of James was written to believers. So obviously works do not come into it. It's not a matter of works. And then we read about a month back on a Sunday morning, Weymouth's translation, he's talking about corresponding action. That's easier to get our mind around. So I just have to live my life in corresponding action with the Word of God. It's what we left off on Sunday, this past Sunday. I've got to have my faith, and I've got to have my speech, and I've got to have my conduct all lined up and moving in the same direction. So I can't confess on Sunday that all my needs are met and then go to the automobile showroom on Monday and talk about how I can't afford this and I can't afford that. I've got to change my speech. I might have to say something like this. I don't think I'm going to buy that today. I, I, don't, I don't think right now is the time for me to buy. I've got to come up with something else to say rather than I can't afford it. I've got to have my faith, my speech, and my actions all lined up in this, moving in the same direction what I, what I believe and what I say and what I do. Same thing with child rearing. You know, that, now there's an ex- illustration. Everything is not spiritual. Some things are, you know, some things are natural. You got to take care of it. Does the Holy Ghost take your trash out? Talk to me. Does the Holy Ghost pay your bills for you? Nope. Does the Holy Ghost write your checks? Nope. Does the Holy Ghost cut your grass? Nope. Does the Holy Ghost pull weeds out of your shrub beds? Nope. No, some things we have to do ourselves. I'm 65 years old, going on 66 in about 10 days, and I've never yet seen God come down and spank a child, although I have met countless numbers that should have been spanked by the Holy One of Israel. But, but he never, he, he leaves it to mom and dad, and it's worse than that, because if mom and dad neglect the child, then the child's chances in life go way down. So it's not all spiritual, and it's not all natural. But if we will line our lives up and, and have our faith and what we believe and what we say and what we do all lined up and moving in the same direction and be doers of the Word of God, we avoid a whole lot of trouble. Amen. I know that. And I don't know about you, but I'm a, I, I like to avoid trouble. Amen. If I can avoid trouble, I want to avoid trouble. Amen. But on the other hand, when trouble comes... We do not shrink back and we are not destroyed because we have come to the word church and we have heard the words of life and we know who we are and we know that we are not a soccer ball for the devil to kick around, but we are the children of the almighty God, King of kings and Lord of lords, and we can speak to the devil and he's got to take his hands off our body, take his hands off our stuff, take his hands off our family, take his hands off our money. Amen. Amen. Because we are children of the king and we have authority. Say it out loud. We are children of the king and we have authority. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. 
Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.